got stocks down, but trying to firm up a bit. Bonds, too, same story. That's the opposite of the year-to-date action, where long-term bond ETFs are down 20% in the TLT. And, of course, the NASDAQ's getting blasted down 25%. One fund has been doing quite well, up 30% plus. RISR is the ticker. Folio Beyond is the tech behind it. Dean Smith is the chief strategist at Folio Beyond. Welcome back to the program, Dean. Good to see you. Good to see you. Okay, so give us the update here. This fund is crushing it this year. Walk us through how it works again. What's going on? Sure, sure. So uh, this is a fund that invests primarily in a type of mortgage-backed security called interest-only securities, IOs. And so as market interest rates go up, mortgage borrowers tend to prepay their mortgages more slowly, which means we receive that interest cash flow for a longer period of time. So when interest rates go up, the value of IOs go up, and we've benefited from that this year. So the interest rates need to translate into the mortgage rates going up. Obviously, we've seen that. Mortgage rates have been surging here. One of the biggest moves historically uh, on a year-to-date basis, one month, pretty much no matter how you slice it. So does it need to keep up that pace, or is it just generally as it goes higher, uh, the fund will follow along? Yeah, there's, there's, there's two components, obviously. Uh, we've got any price appreciation, uh, and that's closely related to what happens to uh, treasury rates and mortgage rates more specifically. But we also are earning a positive current coupon. When we buy these IO securities, we actually receive those interest payments. So even if interest rates kind of meander a little bit, hang in this rate uh, in this range for a little while, we're still going to be earning our carry. So we've got the benefit of uh, uh, patience uh, for this strategy. We don't need rates to go to the moon. Okay. So you don't necessarily need rates to blow out if for some reason they go the other way. How does that work? Let's say there's a a big recession or something and the Fed says, hold on, we can't do any of this. People start buying the heck out of treasuries again. What would you expect to happen? Well, I mean, if treasuries went back down to the historic lows that we had years ago, then we're obviously going to give back some of the gains. We just don't see that as a real possibility here. The Fed has backed themselves into such a corner that they are really going to have to fight through whatever economic slowdown is going to accompany the rate increases. I mean, we just saw we had terrible CPI and PPI numbers last week. And people are trying to spin it as, you know, it's peak inflation. We've seen the worst. We're not out of the woods by a long shot. This has got years to run. Uh, potentially, and interest rates are going to be going higher. Uh, they have to if they're going to break the back of inflation. Is there a, um, uh, I want to have that macro conversation here for a sec, but since we just had some of the details up for the fund, uh, $100 million, I mean, uh, is uh, how come it's so low? How come people aren't buying the heck out of this thing right now? I mean, you're up 32%. Yeah. Can your fund manage if there's big, big inflows? Is Are there enough IO mortgage-backed bonds to go around to, to keep the trade working? Sure, yeah. I mean, there's no capacity constraint to this okay. strategy, really. I mean, we're, we're very pleased that we've uh, crossed the $100 million mark. I think we'll start to hit the radar of some of the guys who need a fund that has at least that much in AUM. But in terms of the amount of IOs available for us to execute this strategy, 
it, it's essentially unlimited. There's there's trillions of dollars uh, worth of mortgage-backed securities out there, and if we don't see a bond in the market that we like, we can go to the street and they'll make it for us. So um, there's there's no capacity constraint here at all. Okay, so even if housing slows down, people stop buying, creating new mortgages, the housing boom we already had, and there's tons of paper that you can use for your strategy. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the refinance volumes, that is to say people who are re, would refinance their mortgage to get a lower interest rate, that game is over. But people are still buying houses, people still move, they still have children, so mortgages are still gonna be created. Uh, the housing market generally, we think, has some problems, but uh, the capacity of the, this strategy is not gonna be affected by uh, any slowdown in the housing market, which we think is kind of inevitable anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, well, uh, we'll uh, I guess we'll keep watching the flows. It's amazing to see people trying to buy dips on the charts that are going the wrong way. Uh, this one's going yeah. the right way. Okay. So on the macro front here, your team believes that uh, the peak inflation story right now is uh, a way too bold of a view. What's the strongest support for inflation, not just maintaining these levels, but actually extending? Like, is it possible you think we could shoot to 10% or something beyond CPI currently at eight and a half? Yeah, I, tell you, I mean, if you look inside the numbers that came last week, the only reason that they weren't horrific, they were bad, but the reason they weren't horrific is because during the measurement period, there was a temporary decline in prices for uh, uh, gasoline and, and other oil products. That's already been reversed. In addition, we had the PPI numbers from the prior month were revised upward in, in this report. So, you know, the, the urge on the part of investors and advisors to want to try to, you know, call the, call the bottom or call the top, however you want to describe it in, in rates and inflation is, it's irresistible, but it's just, not the case. The gap between inflation, uh, where it is right now, and the Fed's target of 2% is enormous. And the only way they're gonna be able to get that down is to continue to raise interest rates. So it's just too soon to call the all clear. We've had a 75 basis point rise in Fed funds. We're just getting started. So the idea when Fed, uh, when Powell and the Fed say 50 basis points next month and 75 instead of 75 that the bond market wanted, we shouldn't necessarily interpret that as a quote unquote dovish approach. Do you think they're just doing that because they know they got a long ways to go? They might as well take it as slow as possible. You know, I, I the last press conference that Powell gave after the the last meeting was was pretty disastrous. I mean, like we remember what happened to the market uh, the following day. There was a kind of a relief rally the first day, but then as people thought about it, they said, my, this is not good news, this is terrible news. And they never should have taken 75 basis points off the table. And in my view, it's still on the table. I think that there's a definite potential for 75 basis points uh, later this year, maybe not the next meeting, but uh, after that. Uh, but it, at the end of the day, it doesn't even really matter. Rates have to go higher in order for inflation to come down. There really isn't any other mechanism. And Ben Bernanke was on uh, TV earlier today and basically said the same thing. So, uh, uh, you know, the, when you really are being honest about it, that's the only course of action. Okay. Uh, Dana, thanks for the update. Looks like the fund's completing the objective right now. Uh, interest rates moving, causing a lot of volatility. RISR up 32%. Thanks for the walkthrough. Appreciate it. My pleasure.
You got it. Dean Smith, chief strategist at Folio Beyond, with expectations for the Fed to keep on their hawkish path.